Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to the Women of Golf show. I'm Ted Odorico and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPJ professional Cindy Miller and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf show. Good morning and welcome, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you doing this morning? There. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm yes, doing of great. Course. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, let me just uh, remind everybody, of course, um, that we are live here on blogtalkradio.com's Women of Golf. And just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf, and you will find us there each and every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, Or for those of you that like to listen through iTunes, uh, go to the podcast section at itunes.com. And again, type in women of golf, and that will take you to uh, our show in iTunes. Uh, Always love to hear from you. You can uh, reach us if you want to call in during the live broadcast. Uh, the number is area code 347-945-5855. And if you want to uh, comment about the show or maybe if you're uh, interested in being a guest on the show, if you're somebody in the golf industry, um, you don't have to necessarily be a teaching professional or a golf coach. You can be somebody that maybe uh, has a great product or service that you provide. Uh, so many of those uh, great amateur golfers that we love to work with out there, uh, we would love to hear from you. Um, and you can do so by uh, reaching Cindy's email at cindy at cindymillergolf.com uh, or to me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. But we want to thank you for joining us this morning here uh, on the Women of Golf Show. Uh, we're going to start out, of course, with a great discussion here in just a moment, but uh, then a little bit later on, Cindy's husband, uh, who has been on the show before, Alan Miller, he's a, a great PGA teach professional and a former tour player. Uh, he's going to be joining us here in about 30 minutes' time and uh, we'll pick up the discussion uh, from there. But um, this, we're, we're going to start this morning, Cindy. We're going to talk about really competing as, as golf professionals, uh, coaches and teachers and, and all of that, however those of you out there in the profession want to label yourself, um, competing against social media, uh, also uh, against the committee of they, as, as you've referred to many times on the show, Cindy. And then we're going to also talk a little bit about, we may save this part uh, for when Alan comes on, but uh, talking about measuring uh, a student's success. Um, but I want to talk out, and this was some questions I actually put together um, for my other program, Golf Talk Live. We had a discussion last week on the uh, uh, Coach's Corner segment panel, but I thought there were some great questions I wanted for you and I to, to get, get into as well, because I, you know, I always feel we have some different perspectives here, perhaps. Um, but the first question I want to ask you, Cindy, and, and then we'll have some dialogue is there's a lot of free access to online golf instruction, uh, online videos, et cetera. Some for some great, um, inst- from great instructors like yourself and many others out there, but there's also a lot of other stuff out there from people that just think that they uh, have something to say. Um, how, do, how do we as golf instructors, 
compete with that. Kind of like how do you compete right? with the person down the street? So you got to really identify what your niche, if you want to call it, is, and the pain that you solve. I think because golf creates mm. a lot of pain, <laughs> and I think that um, <laughs> you know you just have to identify what your strengths are. You know, possibly do a SWOT analysis. What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are my threats? And what are my opportunities? And, you know, people that just play golf and are don't want to spend any money investing in lessons typically will just Google something and get an answer or 4,000 answers, if you will, right. on Google. And, and yeah. then they're going to try everything and – then they're going to screw up and not be able to fix it, and that's when they're going to show up on your mat. So, you know, are you looking for local people or are you looking for people far away? I mean, local people, I'm getting confusing here, but I and I don't want to. I think you have to almost trace the road the student goes on. And what do I mean by that? You know, well, how did they get to your driving range or where how did they get to you where have they come from and if you do that then you can better identify how to get them there sooner what yeah I, I, I agree with that yeah and I think Cindy it goes back to the question that you've uh, brought to the table many many times and that is to, to really uh, you know find out from the students why you know, why they want to play golf, what their interests are, what level they're looking to achieve. And I think when you, when you have a better understanding of that, um, then it's a little easier to sort of dissect and, and prepare for what you want to present to the student. Uh, sometimes, you know, and, and I don't know if you've ever done this, Cindy, or not, but sometimes I welcome students that come in with, with about 5,000 different ideas that they've Googled and, and that because I – I use it to my advantage because a lot of times I'll, I'll get them to give me an example or two of what they've seen. And if it happens to be right, then, you know, I'll obviously acknowledge that. But if it's something that I know is way out in left field, then I will create an opportunity for them to think about that. You know, does that make sense to you? Um, and sort of turn it against um, the author, if you will. There's a lot of blogs, Cindy, as you know, out there and, and a lot of uh, online videos that somebody decides they're going to videotape their swing and then they think they've got a pretty good swing, so they're going to say, hey, guess what, guys, you want to play better golf, watch me here. Um, but they've really had no training or expertise. So you have to be careful of that as, as a student out there to make sure that you're getting good, sound information. Um, and, and to your point, Cindy, about local, um, if you're playing locally you know, in your area, um, it's good to have somebody that has local knowledge. Um, that's, you know, For instance, the courses in Buffalo or upstate New York are going to play a little bit differently than they are down here in Florida just because the, the grass is a little bit different, the conditions are different. You know, we're playing a lot with humidity down here. So there's a lot of variables. Um, and that's not to say that you can't work with somebody from both. You know, if you travel down the south, that doesn't mean you can't find a, a good instructor here in the south. But you have to find somebody that is willing to listen to what you have to say first and foremost and then be able to take that information and relay it back to you in a way that you can understand. 
And a lot of times, and you know this as well as I do, Cindy, a lot of this online stuff, and I'm not talking about stuff from uh, some of our fellow professionals, but uh, a lot of this generic uh, stuff that we get on Google, there's a lot of misinformation. It's very confusing, and it doesn't always get to the crux of sometimes the situation. And, you know, students just get into a, a, a scenario where they – are trying so many different things that by the time they do get to us on the range or the practice tee, they're so confused and so distraught that they're not ready to really receive anything else because they're burned out. And that's a difficult, you know, scenario to handle sometimes. But um, nevertheless, uh, I think what you said, Cindy, is is correct. I think you just really have to sort of um, take a look at the individual and and go to their specific needs and, and deal with it in that fashion. Um, well, I think the other thing too that you always talk about, Cindy, on the show. Sorry, go ahead. Well, there's two parts to this. Are we speaking to the golf instructor on how to how to market themselves, and or are we speaking to the student who's seeking information? So, if the student's seeking information, number one, you've got to find a qualified instructor, and you've got to inspect the source. Who's who's writing the blog? Who's you know, giving you the information. And are they credible? That's number one. And number two, you need to know that there are a million different ways to swing a golf club. And if you... Right. You can get so confused so quickly, you need to beware. You need to, in my opinion, whoever you're listening to needs to make sense to you. You need to be able to understand it so you can implement what they're telling you. And number three, if they don't, right. you need to quickly move on. Yeah. You know, I think the main thing that has to happen between a student and and his or her instructor uh, is there has to be a good line of communication. Um, you, you have to be able to, to understand what the teacher uh, is saying to you and as a student, um, you have to make sure that you articulate to your professional what it is that you want, what it is you want your expectations um, out of the game and uh, your level of enjoyment. You know, are you looking to be highly competitive uh, or are you just looking out to go out and have fun with your friends and, and uh, maybe business associates or, or what, what is it that you really want to do? And if those lines of communication are not sound, then there's going to be frustration on both parts. Um, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, on that note, we'll end, we'll end that, that part of the discussion on a, on a, on a, on a good note. Um, the next one, Cindy, you, you talk about this and have mentioned this many times. We both have experienced this, as I'm sure many of uh, our other fellow professionals uh, professional, excuse me, is dealing with the committee of they. And this is sort of another area that we run into problems. Um, it, it's, it's nice that our, our, our friends um, like to give us a few tips here and there. Um, we certainly appreciate it. Um, but are they really helping to confuse uh, some of the golfers out there? And, and I think the answer obviously is yes. But, um, you know, what does a student need to do in a case like that? They don't want to certainly offend their friends. Um, but at the same time, you know, we want them to listen to us. If they're coming to us for instruction, we want them to listen to us. 
and, and not, you know, getting too much outside influence because it makes it obviously difficult for us to, to help them. But how do you handle something like that when, you, when you're dealing with the committee of they? Well, again, I warn my students when they come in. In fact, I had a woman last night whose fiancé is the president of a very nice private club here. So on the outside, he looks like he should know what he's doing, and she's a novice. And she was taking a lesson one day, and he came to hit balls and kind of snoop and watch her from afar. And once the lesson was over, he immediately starts telling her everything she's doing wrong. Now, she spent money with me, and we Mm -hmm. had her hitting the ball pretty well. And he starts communicating and talking about things that we didn't even discuss at all. And so right. I have to tread lightly because I don't want to offend anyone. So I have to be very careful that I don't say, look, your fiance's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. You need to not listen to him. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> you know, because he's a nice person. He's just not a golf golf pro. And he may even be a good golfer, right. but his, his thoughts you know, if he was so smart, he should be teaching you and not me. So, anyway, long story short, last night she came in for another lesson. Of course, he shows up at the end of the lesson. So now my little competition with myself is she's going to hit this amazing. So he goes, whoa, that's exactly what I wanted you to do, right? And so right. how we got to that point, it's, that's my issue, right? Anyway, long story short, at the end of the right. lesson, I said to her now, you're going to get married. In June, you're going to be at the club. It's going to be a clinic that someone might give as somebody from the pro shop. You need to be very aware that if they start talking about rotating and turning and getting your weight through and all that, they're not discussing the club face. So you need to yes. go, warning, warning, warning. This is not what Cindy would say. Because you're so new, you're very vulnerable yes. to confusion. And we need you to be clear so that you have confidence so you can play with consistency. And that's not going to happen if you open up yourself to be susceptible to the committee. So I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm saying this is different. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing right now is working, and we don't want you to be confused. Now, is it going to happen? Of course it's going to happen. Yeah, and, and there's also the others, you know, uh, occasionally you, you get uh, the other category of the committee of they is sometimes it doesn't always come from somebody you know. You might be out in a range and, and there's, you know, those range hawks that are out there that are just looking for an opportunity to, you know, to come up and say something. And, you know, there's those folks as well, which are a little easier to combat because you don't know the uh, particular individual. But but again, somebody like this young lady that you're referring to is the novice at the game um, you know, somebody comes up and in, in a, you know, in a tender voice says, you know, man, maybe if you tried this uh, or tried that, it might help. And they're like a sponge. They're at the point where they're like a sponge and they start absorbing all this information. And before too long, you know, three or four lessons down the road, she's doing something with you that you didn't teach her or talk to her about. And you're sitting there, whoa, you know, what, what is this all about? Oh, well, some guy on the range told me I need to do this. So now you know, it's like a ball of yarn. It starts to unravel and you've got to kind of go back to almost square one 
right? I Am I not right? You know, you've got to go back oh to square God. one. Oh, yeah. Well, think about it. It's true. Um, oh, but anyways, you true. know, that's something that, yeah, that's something that we have to be careful of as well. So I like to, with, with most of the, the, the students that I'm dealing with, I like to tell them right up front, you know, let's create a dialogue between you and I first. Let's make sure that we're compatible because not everybody's – you know, I've had people that have come to me, and I can just tell that we're not going to hit it off, and I'll refer them to somebody else, or I'll suggest that you know, maybe they need to find somebody that, that sort of speaks their – and I hate to use this terminology, but their language of love. I mean, everybody has a different language of love, if you will, and some people um, you know, might be more uh, visual-oriented. Some people might uh, learn in a, in a different uh, pattern, and you know, if you're teaching somebody – that doesn't learn visually in a visual manner, it can be very confusing for that student. So that's the first and foremost. You need to create that dialogue, build that relationship, and, and if every, you know, everything's firing on all cylinders, then you can proceed. But if, there's, if the gears are grinding or, the, the, as I said, the yarn is unwinding, um, then that's not going to work. And so that's one of the things. And it brings me to this other um, thing that you really kind of touched on already, but um, – can students get in their own way of progress? How do, how do we assure them that what they're often seeing or reading might contradict what you're teaching without really bad, you know, we don't want to get into trashing somebody else or saying, well, that's stupid or that doesn't make any sense. You know, we want to be professional about it. But if we're going to be working with that student, Cindy, we need to make sure that they understand our approach and why we're teaching the way we're doing. And if that is something that they're interested in, then we'll proceed. But if they're going to, you know, get outside influence all the time, that's going to contradict that, then that creates a problem. As I said, the, the yarn starts to unwind. So um, go ahead with that one. What do you think uh, would be a good solution to that? Well, I think what the student needs to stop and say is why is the ball doing what it's doing? So if they seek first to understand, why is the ball doing what it's mm -hmm. doing? Well, the face is pointed that way. Okay, why is the face pointed that way? Well, I don't know. Did I move forward? Was the face correct when I started? So they have to problem solve and look in the mirror to figure out why did the ball go where it goes. And it's our job to help them understand what happens, and then they can discern the difference between someone else's help. Again, if they understand what's going on, I'm not telling them that they have to think my thoughts. They have to understand what's happening, right. and they can have their own thoughts that fix it. And then, truly, they can own their game. If they don't know that and they're just pulling at straws, then, yes, the yarn's going to unravel. And then they're going into a deep pit of abyss. And we've all done it. I mean, that's how we know. Yes. Right? So, so it's, it's like, okay, stop. Let's not, let's not unravel the ball of yarn. Let's stop and say, okay, why did the ball just do what it did? <laughs> well, I topped it. Well, why did you right. top it? Well, I, I looked up. Well, no, you didn't look up. You know, you didn't let the club go down. Okay, so why didn't you let the club go down? And, again, there's a million reasons. Well, I'm trying too hard. You know, me too. So, again, it's, it's the unraveling and the discerning and the really looking in the mirror to say, why did the ball just do what it did? And if they, if we give them the problem-solving techniques, basically they can fix it themselves. Yeah, e exactly. And that that really brings really everything 
full circle. I think what a lot of students don't understand is about really what our, our function is. We're not here to build them a golf swing. We're here to, to provide them with information and tools that will help them develop their own unique swing because everybody is different. And what the students a lot of times don't understand, well, you know, teach me the golf swing. Well, you can't really teach somebody, and I know this sounds like a contradiction, but you can't teach them a golf swing. You can teach them the fundamentals and you can teach them the basics, but their body is going to decide how they're going to swing. If you've got somebody that's a little bit um, heavier set uh, or you've got a taller person or a shorter person, um, there are going to be certain things that are going to be similar. Um, but we know from, from examples over the years, uh, some many great players that swung the club much differently from each other, but had um, similar or identical results. And that was because there were certain key elements that, you know, the club face being squared impact and, and so forth um, that were unique, uniquely inherent in a good golf swing. But if you look at players like Lee Trevino as an example on the men's tour, uh, and maybe even um, Natalie Gulbis on the women's tour that had that sort of a low dip as she comes into the ball, and Lee, of course, had a much more outside-to-in uh, type swing, or Freddie Couples is another good example. Um, their golf swing is inherently different than what you see in today's game, but there are certain key fundamentals that are inherent throughout the golf swing. So that's really what we're teaching our students, is we're trying to teach them the basics of the golf swing and how to put it all together so that they can get the best results from their swing. And that's essentially what we're trying to do. Absolutely. And that, everybody, that makes sense? you want the right. same thing at impact. You know, it's all about making an impact, and it's their impact. That, you know, the moment of truth is when the club hits the ball. Exactly. You know, I've seen some, I've seen over the years, as I'm sure you have, Cindy, I've seen some pretty, pretty funky-looking swings but getting great results. So yep. as a golf instructor, the last thing that, the last thing that I want to do is to say, well, you know what, um, you know, Fred, uh, you got a terrible looking swing. You hit a great ball, but you got a terrible looking swing. I'm going to retool and, and remanufacture your golf swing. So it looks like so-and-so is on the tour. Well, if I do that more than likely, what's going to happen is, uh, Fred's not going to be able to hit the ball very well anymore um, because I've changed the dynamics of what he's trying to do. Um, now, there are subtle things that I might be able to make uh, adjustments on. If he's doing things that are incorrectly that may cause him uh, serious back issues, for instance, there may be some minor tweaks or adjustments that I can do. But why do I want to reinvent the wheel if he's having success with this golf swing just because I don't like the way it looks? And that's yep. another thing that students fall into that trap, right? You know, and, and again, not to, you know, belittle the profession, but there are a lot of different theories and, and, you know, swing gurus out there that say this is the, you know, you've got the stack and tilt, you've got the A, you know, what is the A position, that, and I'm not criticizing them. Um, it may work for some, but the, the problem is that I think inherently happens um, is that, sometimes we run into the habit of trying to put everybody in the same box. And when you try to do that, some people are just not going to fit into that box because they do things differently. They're built differently. They think differently. And when you try to do that and spread it out through the masses, um, you run into the problem. And I 
firmly believe, and I don't know if you agree or not, I really think this is what's caused a lot of frustration for a lot of people because ultimately we all want to get along. We want to feel like we belong, but we're still different. And if I try to teach you something that I'm doing that may not be in your wheelhouse, then you're going to reject that. It's not going to, it's going to create a level of frustration and you're not going to be inclined to want to do that or vice versa. So we have to be mindful of that as instructors. And Cindy, I know that you take very uh, diligent care in making sure that you address each of your students' needs differently. There might be some similarities between some students, but ultimately you treat your students differently and you work with what you have to work with each individual as they come, correct? Absolutely. It's, you know, I'm not the one that's, that's uh, taking the lesson. I'm, I have to be student-centered. You know, how do they learn? How do they see things? Are they a feeler, seer, hearer? Very, very, their personality, what their goals are, everything has to be taken into consideration. Right. Um, and here's a great opportunity, Cindy. I, I know Alan will be joining us here in just a few moments. So um, why don't you take a moment and let everybody know, the folks listening to the show, uh, about your Learn to Hit It kit, a great opportunity to, uh, to pr promo that. Well, I created the Learn to Hit It kit because I was doing a corporate event with some women, and they said, you know, I get so confused on who tells me what to do where, when, and how, and I really like what you're telling me, so can you please help me in my own backyard to learn to play? And I thought, well, what a great idea. And I created the Learn to Hit It kit. It, it includes a portable golf mat that you can take out in the backyard or you can even hit balls in the living room. It includes foam golf balls, nine foam golf balls, my Golf 101 for Executives book, a coupon for 10% off any Callaway club, and a 10-module online course to teach you how to hit a clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. Now, the Learn to Hit It kit comes to you for $99.99. Go to learntohititkit.com. Perfect. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a example of a great online instruction uh, opportunity um, and and I want to make that clear because you know there is some great stuff that we can access online and I encourage especially in this day and age uh, of technology um, it, it certainly gives an advantage what we're trying to say this morning is just to be mindful make sure that you do your homework and don't just uh, go for everything that you see on there but this is a great opportunity uh, to access some online information from a top uh, world instructor. Uh, this is Cindy Miller. And speaking of another top uh, instructor, uh, it's time to bring Alan on, uh, your husband, to join us. Let me just read a little bit for the oh, folks that, that may not remember a little bit about Alan. Uh, Alan's success uh, in golf was recognized very early on uh, from college golf at the University of Georgia uh, to becoming uh, number two ranked U.S. amateur in America in 69 and 70 by Golf Digest magazine. Uh, being a member of the 69 and 71 Walker Cup teams and a member of the 1970 Eisenhower World Amateur Cup team. Uh, his fluent uh, swing well, uh, was well known among the experts before he joined the tour. Uh, he's played in five Masters, uh, the U.S. Open, as well as numerous PGA Championships. Uh, his career as a PGA Tour professional spanned over 15 years. Uh, he won the 74 Tallahassee Open 
and regularly competed against such greats like Lee Trevino, Tom Watson, and of course, uh, the Golden Bear himself, Jack Nicklaus. Uh, he retired from the tour in 1986 and devoted, uh, and since has devoted his life to teaching uh, using his progressive system of learning that is based on a fundamental concept, uh, simple, swing, uh, simple solutions to the swing. Uh, he's a past uh, champion, a uh, life member of the PGA Tour, and a Champions Tour member who brings a unique perspective uh, to golfers seeking to improve their games, like all of you listening out there this morning. Uh, and his knowledge of the golf swing, of course, comes from a lifetime of playing and, of course, his teaching experience. So let's, let's bring on your other half, Cindy, uh, PGA Teach Professional, Alan Miller. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. How are you guys? Good morning, everybody. We're having dogs. Okay? We're doing well. Um, thank you for joining us. Oh, yes, it's always a pleasure. Um, well, thank you, Alan. We appreciate you coming back and giving of your time. Um, Alan, I, I want to start off, uh, if I can, with a, with a, a question I've, I've kind of wanted to ask both of you before. And I'm going to let you go first, and then, Cindy, if you want to add in as well. Um, obviously, you're both uh, uh, phenomenal teacher professionals at, at this point in your career. What difference uh, between you and Cindy's teaching? Is there a difference between your teaching styles? And if so, what are they, Alan? There's really no no difference in what, what we teach. We teach the same basic concept because it was what I was taught, what I've helped her with over the years. And she was taught through my teacher also. So it's really a combination of all of us together. Uh, she does teach a lot of ladies and men. You know, we all have physical differences, but the theory still remains the same, and it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman for the basic concept of what we believe in. Um, some some of the words she uses sometimes I wouldn't use if I was relating to a, a lady. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, you know, slang words for body parts and stuff that, are, that aren't too bad, but I just wouldn't use them. But it relates to them because her, her lingo is stuff that you remember and day-to-day life, it hits you, hits you kind of funny and laughingly where I'm, I'm a little bit more technical with my comments. But, but other than that, it's basically the same, so we don't try to change it. At least I wouldn't try to change it up, and I don't think she does either. I do want to make one comment, though, about what she just said in the last segment that I heard at the very end of it. Is I hope she designs a now a remember-how-to-hit-it kit for me so I can remember how to do it. <laughs> I'm sure she would. Cindy, what about your uh, your thoughts on that? Um, the differences. I mean, obviously, Alan has pointed out that you you both uh, obviously were taught essentially the same, um, but but he did point out a few differences. Is there something that you do maybe a little bit differently than than what Alan does in, in your teaching? Obviously, you're you're both teaching the fundamentals and the basics of golf, but um, obviously, your teaching styles. Everybody's a little bit different. What what's unique about your teaching style, and what's unique about Alan's? Well, I think that boils down to our behavior style differences. Alan's more uh, <clears throat> steady. Laid back. Alan's laid back. Alan's more like Ernie Els and uh, Freddie Couples. And I'm more like Tiger and Suzanne Pedersen, more wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Um, so needless to say, I, I think it's not so much the way in which I teach, it's, the, it's my behavior style. I'm more direct. Alan's more methodical, Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't communicate with our students. So, you know, we communicate with our students differently based on the personality style of the student. But I'm more, if somebody wants to be lulled and thought 
I give direct responses to say, here's what you do to fix that. Alan might tend to say, now, why did the ball do that? He's going to pull things out of his students, and I would tend to right. be a little more direct. Right. And and really what's, what's great about that is, because I know that you guys do uh, boot camps and things together, that you obviously are able to complement one another as well with your te- difference uh, with those differences in your teaching style. Because as we just pointed out, Cindy, um, you know, in an earlier segment, everybody is different. Uh, and, and it brings me to this question, Alan. I want to ask you in, in lieu of that: If we're all uniquely different, how do you decide as a teaching professional or coach uh, uh, what's right for your student, especially with so many? options out there including different swing theories how do you decide with a specific student what's going to be right for them well basically i I do not change my swing theory but based on the student i I think anybody can do what we do because we know it's so simple i know it's so simple because i've done it for so long and i can hit a ball with any concept so i wouldn't change that the difference is we have studied over the years the different personalities and we do know how to relate to each different personality style even if the person doesn't really realize what personality style they are. One advantage that comes to say one of our boot camps is, or when we teach day to day, a lot of days is because we could switch off if we have to because we know the different styles and we know how to handle the people differently if we need to. Where if somebody's looking for a teacher, they need to spend the time to find out if the person's kind of like them or can help them or relate to them with their personality styles. Most people don't have the advantage of finding somebody or having an opportunity to look around to that at that kind of degree, um, that would be the main thing because we can again we can switch off. To, you know, to, if we're not relating to somebody in the, within their style or something, get the message across, and Cindy could come over and slam them a little bit, or I could she can send me over there and <laughs> calm them down a little bit. Uh, but I think I think that's the main advantage. But I don't I don't believe in changing the style. You know, some people say you don't teach everybody the same thing. Well, right. within the concept, I do. Uh, because I know the concept is so simple. Right. Then you have to work around their own physical liabilities or limitations they may have. But the, the, the concept, so you can modify a little bit, but I don't change depending on what, they, what they're doing. You know, we talked about in, in the beginning a little bit, you know, with, with so much access, Alan, to, to different things online. And there's certainly some great stuff mm-hmm. online uh, with technology today. But, you know, you've got everything, you've got the stack and tilt, you've got, uh, you know, all these different theories or, or um, and obviously within each of those theories, there are certain key components um, that, are, that are uniquely the same. Um, it's just a, maybe a different approach or a different label that, that's being put on it. Um, but with, with having so much access to that information um, can sometimes work against us as professionals because you're trying to combat what, you know, Fred or Sally or whoever you're teaching has picked up, you know, through, as Cindy put it, through a Google search. How do you combat that? What do you say to a student that comes to you, Alan, and says, well, you know, I was watching this video the other day or I Googled this the other day and happened to come across a great blog and they start talking about different things that maybe just doesn't jive with you. How do you combat that without really offending them or making them sound like, well, you're just reading a lot, you're reading a lot of garbage? You know, how do you, how do you handle a situation like that? Way before, way before the internet was even thought of, or before Al Gore decided to invent it, I would tell people: if you listen to TV broadcast, turn off the volume, and they have an announcer start talking. Unless they're a play-by-play announcer, they start talking instructions. Turn off the volume. First of all, you do not know when you when you read stuff. Most people wouldn't anyway of what 
concept somebody's talking about. Are they talking about something? The big difference would be are they talking something that's a swing technique on a horizontal plane or something that's on a vertical plane? And that would be the first thing they should look for. But they don't really understand what the guy's talking about. Half a more a good percentage of what you hear today is on talking about a horizontal plane. And we believe in a more vertical plane. And that doesn't mean anybody's right or wrong, but that's what we believe in. But if you don't know the difference and you hear try to hit a golf ball like a baseball, for instance, which would be one's baseball would be horizontal, golf would be more vertical, you're not going to have any chance to play well or hit it well. And if you don't understand the difference of what the guy's talking about, if he's telling you you need to rotate through it and you're trying to hit a shot on a vertical plane, that's not going to work. So you better have enough knowledge of what you're trying right. to do first to see what you can do or what they're actually talking about. And the same thing happens today on the Internet or the, all the stuff. And you know, I, I go have, I'm a member of one of these websites where instructors communicate back and forth, and I want to, sometimes I feel like getting the barf bag out before I even get on there because I start going, <laughs> oh, my God, they're talking about the, the minutia mo- movement of the right forcep, forearm, finger index, whatever, quadrants, you know, and I'm going, oh, my God. You know, like Jack Nicholas once said, golf's complicated, but not nearly as complicated as we all make it. So I, you know, that that lays into the day to day things. We do everything's relied on data and all that kind of stuff, and, and you don't really don't need that much. And people get confused, and it's, it's sad because they can't perform a task. You know, you can you can when you learn the ABCs. If you're like most kids, you learn the ABCDEF, the sing songy way to do it. You can remember where in the alphabet a certain letter was. So, you didn't learn it by first comes the letter A, then followed by the letter B. In turn, will follow the letter C. Blah 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 all the way through. You know, I can do, I can learn it that way, but it's really complicated and difficult. I can go through the alphabet real quick. Somebody tells me where's when's the letter Q come up? I go A B C D F J L M N O P Q comes right after P. I can find it real fast, but I had to go through that whole step by step process. It would take me all day to find it, and that's the problem the way teaching has gone. I think it's gotten so so detailed. And so minutiae oriented that you can't people just can't perform. There's no flow patterns or anything else, which makes it difficult for anybody to learn, including good players. Yeah, yeah, and and you you raise a, a really interesting point, uh, and I agree with you. You know, Alan, I I I stay out of a lot of these groups, you know, on Facebook and that the different golf groups, and every once in a while, you know, when I'm on there, I'll, I'll see a conversation will start or somebody will post up a video, and and it's almost like they're inviting. Uh, death because they'll say well what do you think about this um here's what yeah. i think and about 30 you know 30 pros will jump on there with different ideas which are fine but then uh, somewhere in the conversation the string of, of comments starts a fight somebody agrees well no you're exactly. crazy yeah, this you can't do that and blah blah and and it's just you know <laughs> and i've actually had a few of them want to come on the show and and i've just you know very politely declined well, because I, I don't want right. that that's not what the show is about Right. Well, I'm sure um, I could mention you know, I, I'm all for I healthy debate. I'm sure I could mention a name which I won't do, because I don't. I don't even know the person for saying I met him one time. It's not a big deal. But there was a thing on there recently. One of these things recently, and they made a comment about a certain technique or a certain thing, and I wrote on there. You know what? It's so it's so it's so it's so simple. You guys are making it way too complicated. And what you just said is totally false, and I can prove it. And he said, "You have the floor." And I said, <laughs> "And again, this is a block." Chat room, and I said, I, right. I really don't want to get in, get involved with it here because I do not want to get, I will not get in arguments about technique. If you would like to me to prove, show you how it's false, and I can prove it to you, come over to Buffalo, and I'd be happy to spend time with you. 
And he said, well, it's just, it said it's too far away. I said, New York City is only a 45-minute flight. Well, I haven't heard back from them because they don't want to go that far. You know, they want to argue their points, no. and I'm not going to get involved with that. Right, and that's and that's smart. I agree with you. And I, I'm the same way. I don't, you know, I'm sure everybody doesn't agree with what I have to say on the programs, but, um, you know, and that's fine. I, I, I've got broad shoulders. That's a choice. I can handle that. Um, right. right, exactly. Let me let me ask you uh, something here, and then, Cindy, I'll, uh, if you want to, uh, got something you want to ask uh, Alan. Um why do so many golfers still struggle with their game? Why is it, you know, still so difficult with so I mean, that's part of it, what we just talked about. But what are, in your estimation, Alan, what's some of the reasons why so many people are still struggling with their game? I think the real reason is most people are not open and honest enough to say, I'm really looking to improve. All they're looking for is a quick result, and they're not willing to, as Cindy says, look in the mirror to see what's holding them back. And it doesn't necessarily just mean their personality style, because we can deal with that. But they say they want they want to fix something, but they're not putting 100 percent or 80, 80 to 90 percent emotional commitment into curing. All they want is a quick fix. Really wants a quick fix. And if they would open up and let themselves have the opportunity to learn, and I mean learn, not just hear something and let it go in one ear and fly out of the other, then they could develop into a better player. I had to do that when I changed my whole swing in 1968 with Bob Toski's help. I mean, I went down there open. Here's my game. It's in your hands. Change my swing. Make me a better player. In two days, he did that. But I went down there. My whole game's in your hands. Most people run in, or run into us or anywhere else, and they really just want a quick looking for a quick fix. Or even if they don't say they're not, they're going to be committed. They're not hearing ninety percent of what you have to say. They're still looking just for results, yeah. and that's not going to help them get better in golf. Right. Exactly. Um, Cindy, I think when you develop that, remember to hit it. Uh, learn to hit it. Kit. Uh, you need to add a cork uh, in that kit so they can stick in one ear so that when the information comes in one ear, it doesn't flow out, as Alan just eloquently pointed <laughs> out, the other ear. So um, maybe you can do that. Cindy, I, I know you have an opportunity to, to pick uh, Alan's brain all the time uh, when you're together, but let's share something with the audience. Uh, what do you want to ask Alan that, uh, that maybe our audience could benefit from? I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> I stumped her, Alan. I'm sorry. You really did. You, you just give her a minute to she'll figure out something to ask. I can tell you that. <laughs> I believe, well, obviously, Alan's played. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to make a statement. And I okay. think I'm going to start asking my students, because I've become the 30-minute quick fix at queen, and I give them – a result, you know, they want results. I'm going to give you a result, but you need to know what caused that, what what the cure was. Okay, Alan is more interested in people that really want to work on their games. So, mm-hmm. I think there's a difference there. Do you want a coach or do you want a quick fix? And and I think people need to understand that. And I totally agree with Alan and you. And it's true that people really are looking for results and not a long-term solution. And therefore, I mean, part of the reason we, we need to just be grateful because it keeps us in business. And all the committee members who confuse people keep us in business. Um, so I agree that I don't think people really want to work at it to get better. And I'll ask them, you know, how much do you want to open up this jar? You know, you just want a little bit of, oh, just fix this? Because it's going to come back. 
And if you're not yeah. aware, you're not going to be able to fix it. And then you're coming back to me, and it's going to cost you more money. Right. Right. Exactly. I think a perfect, perfect you know, example. Some... Perfect example. I know it's hard to lay here, but a perfect example was uh, last summer we were given a junior group lesson or something, and Cindy was over talking to some of the parents, and I had kids watching me, and I said, I said something to him, and I said, it didn't hit her to later. I said, look. Here, guys, we call, cause we call them over for, you know, they're over whacking away and then they're not doing good or whatever. We call them over and talk to them. And I said, if you guys are just here, just try to hit it better, then you're in the wrong place. But if you're here to help develop a better golf swing so you can have a better game down the road and play on your high school team or your college team or whatever, you're in the right place. I'm not here just to help you hit it better because I can't do that. You have to do perform tasks that are involved with swinging a club to hit it better. If you really want that, we're here to help you get you better. If you're just here for the quick fix, you're in the wrong place right now. And I think that's where people fail to try to get in in their improvement processes. You know, something very interesting, and you're 100% right, Alan, well said. You know, something I watched – here uh, just before this weekend's, you know, Cindy, I know we had your daughter um, Kelly on last week before the uh, uh, Players' Championship. And uh, just before the Thursday round, I, I don't know if it was the, the, I guess it must have been Wednesday night, uh, they had the guys from the Golf Channel, of course, uh, were on and they were talking. And, and actually, it was very interesting the discussion. And I want to get your thoughts on this, Alan. They actually, mm-hmm. for the first time I've ever heard anybody on the Golf Channel say this, that they, they actually are stumped with the way things are going right now, that they, they, they agree that they've missed the boat um, in, in getting more people out playing, that the industry as a whole has been going down a path here lately that has not been conducive to, to getting more people. It's caused frustration and so forth. And they don't know how to address, um, you know, and they're talking about making all kinds of changes. There, there's been, up, uh, you know, changing from uh, an 18-hole to maybe just playing six holes. Um, a lot of suggestions are flying out there. How do golfers adapt to today's game, Alan? It's vastly different than when you were out on tour, um, and, and obviously from the amateur uh, standpoint. How do we get golfers to adapt? Because it is ever-changing um, as, as we come up with new theories and we come up with new uh, information. But how do we ad- uh, get golfers to adapt to today's game so they can still go out and have some fun. Uh, and as an industry, so I'm going to ask you from the student's perspective and I'm going to ask you from the coach's perspective, how do we adapt on either side in order to, to get more people back out again and enjoyment of playing? Well, I think we have to look at the way that I think the USGA, which, you know, had good times and bad times with them, but they're, they're making a good progress right now in trying to make the game better by changing some of the rules. Changing the way they, you know, you, how do you drop? Making making things much simpler to understand, because today's society is a wham bam society, quick fix, quick, which again is sad sometimes. But they can look on the phone. But now you can, you 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 make the rules so complicated, you don't know what to do. I hit it out of bounds. What do I do now? Well, make it simple. How do I drop it? Well, I saw him on TV dropping it twice, yeah. and blah 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 blah. Well, make it simple. Reach down right two inches above the ground and drop it. You don't have to worry about that. The game itself for the yeah. average player really hasn't changed much over the years. Yeah, the equipment hits the ball further, but you don't find people, the average player, hitting it 30, 40 yards further than they did 30 years ago. They don't have the technique to do it anyway. So the game on TV has changed. Professional ranks have changed. You know, the automobiles go faster, airplanes fly faster and higher. 
but but they still have prop planes that fly around from spot to spot. And the, the game, you know, so flying's still flying. It just people don't have the access to that. But I think we we have to think as a as a organization of people that play golf or that run golf, you know, how to make it faster, how to make it more enjoyable in the short time, which I think the USJ is doing by changing the rules. They go into effect, I think it wasn't another year or so. Um, people don't have as much free time to do stuff. So the, the six-hole, the nine-hole golf courses, the executive-style courses, it, it's still that's always been available, but people have to be more aware that it's available rather than thinking, oh, let's go out and play the longest, hardest golf course that the PGA Tour players have. Well, that's kind of useless for the average player who never finished. Even when I go back, when I play, if I was playing with Jamie or back 10 years ago when I played with Jamie's son, our son, we go to TPC, mm-hmm. I play the ladies' tees. He plays the back tees. Now, I played the P- TPC from the back tees, but I was also 25 years younger. When I go with him now, I play right. the ladies' tees or whatever, short tees or whatever somebody wants to call it. My ego's not such that it bothers me to play the ladies' tees. But I want to be able to hit shots into the greens the way I was able to 40 years ago. Well, I have to do that. I have to play 50 yards up. The equipment at my age isn't making me hit it longer. Maybe I hit it longer than right. I would have if I didn't have the equipment today, but I, I'm still not going to hit it where I did when I was on the PGA Tour 40 years ago. So I can, But I can enjoy right. the game by taking my personal responsibility, saying I'm going to play the short tees. I'm not going to let my ego get me that I played the tour I used to play back here. Yeah, I did, but now I can't get it off the front of the tee back here. So I think that makes a big difference. So we have to make it so courses you know, people have to take the responsibility to make the courses playable and our organizations have to make it so that access access to faster play is really important, I think. Hope I think what they need to do you're no, that that's that's perfect. You know, I you you know, Alan, I think what golf courses need to do is they need to have a sign at each T box and they need to have an arrow that points to the left and an arrow that points to the right. To the right yeah. for golfers, to the left for egos. Um, and I think they need to do that because you're exactly right. And besides, on a, on a personal note, it's more fun playing up with the ladies anyways. Um, well, yeah. Well, if here, if you have a second, to... one second longer, I'll give you a quick story. That I was at a Walker sure. Cup, which is the amateur, amateur, rider, amateur golf rider cup. I was at a Walker Cup reunion right. uh, last year with Jamie and one of my friends is an ex-captain. Blah blah blah. Anyway, we had they, there was a big they had some speakers at the end of the night after the banquet, and one of the speakers was a guy that designed the Rio Rio Olympics golf course. And I can't remember his name. He's a mm-hmm. famous current teacher, or not teacher, but architect. I remember Donald Ross. He's more my he was one of my personal friends a long time ago. Blah blah. Anyway, and one of the guys, ex Walker Cup captains and player, and who actually played the tour for a little while when we got his amateur status back. <laughs> Excuse me. He got up and asked a question. He says, when are you guys as architects are going to decide to make some courses that the player that's my age, 70 years old, can still hit shots into the greens that he used to be able to hit into the greens when he was an active player 50 years ago? And somebody else stood up in the background real fast. He says, they already do. They're called the short tees. Why don't you look for them? Meaning the guy's ego was such that he wasn't even thinking about it. I could, still, I could place him up there. But he still wanted to be the ex tour player and Walker Cup player that played the championship tees. Well, no wonder we get tired of hitting driver driver three with the par four. Go up to the ladies' right. tees. And that's a true story. Right. It, exactly. And 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 that's a 
the sad part, Alan, is that's a, a very familiar story um, for a lot of people out there. And you're exactly right. You know, I, you know, I turned 53 this year. I'm going to be 54 next year. I, I've still got a little bit of leg in me, but even I know at this point, you know, I can't hit it as long as I used to hit it. Um, I, you know, I wish at times I could, but you know what? You make adjustments in your game. You play, you know, a four T until you can you know, right. play uh, with enjoyment. If, if you're not enjoying the game, then then um, you might as well pack it up. Um, which brings me to a final question. Uh, I know we've only got a few minutes, but this will um, give you enough time. Um, you talked about equipment. A lot of people get confused with that. They don't know what to look for. Um, most important in your mind to look for when buying new clubs. If, if you want to advise some amateurs out there, obviously you want to make sure they're fitted properly. Um, but what would you say to, to some of the amateur golfers whether it be a new person just coming to the game or whether it be somebody to look to um, maybe replenish an old set, what advice would you give them when looking for new clubs? Well, first thing I tell people is, uh, this is again, it's more in, in tune to somebody's played a little bit. First of all, first of all, clubs got you. So me, I, a club has to look good to me first. And if you've never played, you wouldn't know what looks good and not looks good. But if you played a little bit, what looks good first, Secondly, hit it. It's got to feel good. If it doesn't look good and feel good, I don't care what the value of the club is. I don't care what the sales pitch is. It's not going to work for you. Then fitting is becomes important. And as Cindy's, I'm sure, mentioned many times, be careful because a lot, especially for the ladies, be careful because a lot of people, fitters just put ladies in ladies' clubs. And ladies don't normally always need ladies' clubs. I have a college student that's five foot, five foot five that's using men's regular stiffs. Uh, Cindy uses men's men's length regular, depending on how you know depends on their height and their knuckle length or whatever. But just because you're a lady doesn't necessarily mean ladies' clubs. Seniors don't necessarily right. need senior shafts. You have to try them out. Unfortunately, you know you can go for a fitting, but the, hopefully the person knows what they're doing. And I don't mean give you fifty thousand options. He needs to be able to say, you know, this is about as good much as you're going to get out of this. We don't need to keep trying stuff. Um, it's important. It's important, but you know, sometimes some of the old clubs still aren't that bad. I mean, I have a set of clubs that I got 20 years ago, and I still use them, and they still work fine. So I don't think it's it's. And I, the club players may kill me out there as salespeople because you don't don't you know take a up take take a logical look at it. Is the club really going to help me a lot? Because I don't find clubs that go 40 yards further. I think that's a that's hogwash unless you got something so bad. So you know, unless you really need something, first of all, do I need it? And number two, will it really help me? And then you gotta have an opportunity to try them out. That is one of the advantages today. You can go places and try stuff out before you buy. So I would give it, you know, take my yeah. time. It's not a rush job to go find new clubs if you need them, if you think you need them. Yeah, and yeah, and there's a great opportunity out there, whether it be, um, you know, at your local club if they if they're offering a demo day. A lot of times when you get them, yes. they've got several manufacturers coming out. You know, take advantage of that, and it gives you an opportunity to go out and, and uh, you know, swing some clubs and, and try them out. Uh, and then, as you said, make sure that you're, you're dealing with a, a qualified club fitter that knows what they're talking about, knows what they're doing, and doesn't just generically or doesn't. The other thing, too, and, and I hate to say this, but I'm sure it happens many, many times, is if somebody's pushing you into a particular brand or something, be careful of that as well, because that's not right. Um, exactly. You know, I, no, you have to. You have to. They're, they're all the major brands are good, and this is going to be personal preference. But always remember, it's not the arrow; it's always the Indian. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Well, on that on that note, you, thank you very much, uh, Alan, Alan, for joining us this morning. And Cindy, thank you for 
for setting it up, and, and we'll, we'll definitely uh, keep having you come back. You've got a, a wealth of information to offer, and, uh, and, and I, like, uh, I like your style. And, and um, you know, Cindy has spoken very highly of you over the years, and, and I know vice versa, so I appreciate having both of you uh, involved in the program. Thank you, Alan. It's always a pleasure. Thank you very much. All right, you have a great day. All right. Well, Cindy, um, always great to have Alan on the show. I know you get the pleasure of, of uh, uh, speaking and talking with picking Alan on a regular basis and picking his brain and, and just a, a, a wealth of information. Uh, and I love, uh, I love having him join us uh, here on the show. We'll, we'll get him back real soon. And, and, uh, but on, on that note, um, I know you've got to go as well as uh, do I, Cindy, but uh, we want to take this opportunity once again just to – uh, a final thank you to Alan Miller, a great uh, PGA Teach professional and former tour player for all of his uh, insight into the game and, and uh, continuing to help uh, so many golfers out there improve on their game. And we want to take this opportunity, Cindy and I, to uh, thank you for joining us each and every morning, uh, Tuesday morning on the Women of Golf Show from uh, 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, make sure that you go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash womenofgolf if there's an episode that you missed uh, all of the recorded versions are there. You can scroll down and listen to one that maybe you've missed or maybe you really enjoyed and you want to listen to again and, and make sure you pass that information out to some of your fellow golfers out there. And go to learntohititkit.com and take advantage. And, Cindy, we've got just a moment or two left if you want to go through that promo one more time uh, just to let the, uh, the golf, uh, listeners know how they can get uh, in your great offer. Okay, again, the Learn to Hit a Kit comes with a portable practice mat, nine foam in the house, outside, in the backyard, your hotel room, the, my Golf 101 book, a coupon for 10% off any Callaway Club, and a 10-module online course. The cost is $99.99, and you can purchase it at learntohititkit.com. I will pr- promise to teach you to hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. Perfect. Well, what a great way to end the segment. Uh, thank you again, everybody, for, for tuning into the show. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, look for us next Tuesday here on blogtalkradio.com from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the Women of Golf Show. And in the meantime, on behalf of Cindy Miller and myself, I'm Ted Odorico, and we thank you. God bless for joining us this morning on the show. Take care and have a great week. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Have a great week. <laughs>